1: Hold music. You want to avoid it? And so do your customers. So say goodbye to hold music and hello to faster, smarter support with Salesforce. Make service more personal and agents more productive using built-in trusted AI. Then watch costs and wait times drop and satisfaction soar. Support customers in a whole new way with Service GPT. Learn how at salesforce.com servicegpt service GPT. Alright, what's going on everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome to the Build Your Empire podcast and today we have Bedros Koulian with us here today in the Build Your Empire studio and it's a pleasure to have you on the show, man.
2: Thank you, sir. Appreciate the opportunity, Casey.
1: Absolutely. So I know that we've connected before in the path, Bedros, but I know that it's, number one, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. For everyone that doesn't know Bedros, he's the CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp. He has over 700 gyms worldwide, and it's crazy because it's such a small world when it comes to social media, and just having the time of day to, for you to come on the show, I definitely appreciate it. But um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of give you that intro and really just jump into it because I know everyone that's listening to the Build Your Empire podcast, they, they're anywhere from 18 to 25, but to kind of just bring people up to speed, just, I'd love for you to just kind of tell the audience what you're currently working on day to day, just kind of recap everything.
2: Absolutely. So these days I do less of the in the trenches work and more of the visionary and in the yeah. clouds work. And what I mean by that is um, I'm grateful that I'm the founder and CEO of Fit Body Camp, one of the fastest growing franchises on the planet. We're adding about 15 to 20 new franchises per month wow. worldwide. And uh, so I'm the CEO and I have two VPs under me who answer to me. And then of course we've got a team of about 48 to 50 people who answer to them. And so every day, I'm working on deals like bringing a supplement line to our Fit Body Boot Camp locations worldwide, seeing how we can drive more traffic from shows like um, uh, Housewives of Beverly Hills or hooking up with Dancing with the Stars, yep. et cetera, to get, build our brand and so on, and not just driving Facebook traffic all day long. We certainly drive about a quarter million dollars a month worth of Facebook traffic, but we want big branding, we want alignment with celebrities, and so I do the big thinking. And in, in addition to that, of course, I've also uh, written, wrote a book about, uh, well, published about eight weeks, nine weeks ago, and it became a best-selling book on yep. Amazon, and it's about to hit the uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller book, and the book is called Man Up, How to uh, Cut the Bullshit and Dominate in Business and in Life, and it really is about peak performance and entrepreneurial leadership. But outside of those two things, I'm not doing anything else because I believe in singularity of focus. And uh, the more I focus on the things that matter, the faster they grow.
1: That's amazing. I think one thing just regarding just the, the branding that you are doing, just from a personal brand standpoint too, I think it's ironic because you have your show called The Empire Podcast, The Empire Show, Right and it's amazing because yeah. i know ours is build your empire so there's some great synergy that we have there but I, I think it's so cool because just based on what you told the audience so far it's like you really built an empire that's what we like to call them here at build your empire is an empire builder right but um for everyone that may be listening when did you start fit body because i think the coolest thing about doing interviews is you hear the success you hear the just everything the journey but when did this fit body boot journey start
2: Casey, I'm glad you asked that question, man, especially for the demographic who's watching and listening to your show, because they're the younger audience and they're entrepreneurial minded. They're driven. They're ambitious. And I think that's important to really get the context of where this started because oftentimes they think, well, I got to come up with this, you know, shotgun of an idea that has to be just perfect. Not true. I was a coach, a business coach and a consultant to personal trainers because I used to have five personal training businesses in the early 2000s. Uh, gyms in San Diego. I sold okay. them off and I started coaching and consulting personal trainers and everything was going great, man. Everybody was uh, making money. Well, then, of course, the economy crashed in 2008 and when it did, there was less and less one-on-one personal trainers making money, which meant that I had less and less coaching clients to make money from because I was their consultant. Yep. And so I quickly had to figure out like how to pivot and still make money for my, for my family and, and pay for my mortgage and and my two kids, etc. And so, right around that time, of course, if you remember back, there was boot camps happening outdoors when personal trainers were running boot camps in yeah. parks and school parking lots and stuff. And and in my industry, in the personal training industry, we personal trainers always looked at boot camps almost as a redheaded stepchild. Like, okay, hey, my real my real bread and butter is one on one personal training. That's how I make most of my money. But on uh, one one hour a day or on weekends I'll run fitness boot camps. Well, when the economy crashed in 2008, 2009, and now no one could afford one-on-one personal training because it's just way too expensive,
1: yep.
2: all of a sudden I realized this is the time to turn this outdoor boot camp that everyone looks at as a side hustle into a mainstream business model. Okay. And so by 2010 we had our first indoor boot camp running and uh, i didn't even know if the model would work so i said "Fuck it i'm going to run it inside of a gymnastic center because i'm not going to go sign a five-year lease and so gymnastic centers don't open until uh you know after 12 1 o'clock in the afternoon so we were running boot camps at 5 in the morning till about 10 11 o'clock in the morning and making good money doing it and that's when i realized hey if i can bring boot camps indoors and run six to seven classes or sessions a day I could charge people a lot less, which means more people can afford $150 a month than okay. $600 to $800 a month. And now it's weatherproof, which means I can do it all across the country, all around the globe. You could do it in the wintertime, whether it's raining, snowing, whatever. And so, really, it was out of a, one, out of desperation for money, and two, out of a disaster, a financial disaster, the economic crash where Fit Body Bootcamp was born. And people go, Well, you just got lucky, right place, right time. And I go, let me just remind you of one other person, and there's literally dozens of other people who have built their millions like I have as a byproduct of the economic crash, Gary Vaynerchuk. He started right in 2009 as the economy crashed, less spending on on Facebook buying ads and stuff. And so he knew this was the opportunity to buy traffic at wholesale. And so he went all in just like I did, just like probably hundreds of thousands of other people did who weren't afraid to expand while everyone else was – afraid and therefore contracted
1: okay that's amazing so so just for people if they um they missed it just fit body boot camp it's you started out gymnastics uh, gymnastics area now there's 700 different locations you're franchising you said 20 to 25 a month correct correct so so when it comes to like the actual like what happens at these boot camps i'd love for you to just kind of give some people some context about like if they are a part of fit body boot camp like what should they expect internally
0: yeah
2: yeah good good question so if someone shows up to a Fit Body Boot Camp, it's, we don't even call them classes. I hate when people call them classes. We call them sessions, just okay. like a one-on-one personal training session. You show up to a Fit Body Boot Camp. The difference is it's not one-on-one. It's one-on-many. One coach and anywhere from 15 to 30 clients, and we've got a proprietary system called the four-station rotation. We've got four stations set up. Each station has five TRX, let's say five kettlebell five plyo boxes and five sets of dumbbells okay. and every day you might come in and there's still four stations, but those stations are different things. could be battle ropes the next time instead of TRX, etc. And so we get, you know, people in every station and in a 30 minute time zone, we yep. rotate them several times and people get amazing fat burning workouts that build muscle tone. They can turn off their brain and go through the workouts. Best of all, there's a personal trainer coaching them through the entire thing. And then of course we hold them accountable and give a nutrition plan to follow as well, just like a personal trainer at a fraction of the cost. Okay. So, to us, when a client comes in, we don't treat them any different than we would treat a one-on-one personal training client. And of course, to the entrepreneur, now, instead of just having the 1% of the community as your prospect, you've got like 25, 30% of the community as your prospect, because more people can afford a boot camp pricing model versus a one-on-one personal training model. So it's a win-win for everybody involved.
1: That's amazing. It, it, it's curious to me because I know for me being 18 years old, I think the biggest thing, and I actually posted about this today. It's like health is wealth, right? So just growing up, like when did you make the conscious decision to like actually put focus into health and being fit? Because I think there's obviously like majority of America is overweight, right? Obesity is at its high. So. Well, has that always been the case from you since you were in your like young teenage years, or when was the decision to actually like pursue fitness to for a full-time career?
2: dude that's a, that's a really good question. and And me getting into fitness was a byproduct of trying to get a date for the prom. Like, that was a, <laughs> okay. just, you, you, you know my story because we've we've been friends for a short period of yeah. time. and you know my story that I'm a foreigner to this country. I come from a communist country. English is a second language for me. and uh, growing up as a foreigner, we kind of had to live hand-to-mouth. And I was you know, we were eating out of dumpsters that we found behind grocery stores where we found food that was expired but it wasn't rotten. So my mom and dad would have us fish it out and we'd eat that. Uh, we lived in Section 8 housing. So, you know, eating healthy wasn't the highest priority. It was <laughs> yeah, survival, yeah. right? Totally. So when you grow up and you're fat and overweight, you kind of stay that way throughout elementary school, junior high, and into high school. Well, as my junior year of high school came about, I knew that, you know, next year is, is, is prom. And, man, I had the hots for this girl named Nakaya, and my only goal was to be able to take her to the prom. Okay. So I figured, well, if I could just lose weight the summer before senior year, get in shape, there's a higher chance of <laughs> yes when I ask her out, right? Yes. So it's basically uh, a young man who wants that girl out to the prom has the opportunity to do so. so. But my theory was if I lose weight, I'll have a higher chance. Now, that summer, I lost the weight. I came back looking lean, athletic. Uh, a couple of friends of mine from high school – helped me get into the gym and work out. I've never worked out before. I had never eaten right. So they helped me structure my diet, because they they played uh, high school football, and so they had a better background than I did. Um, But dude, I was still, I I, I didn't have the confidence to ask Lakai to the prom. So while I was in great shape, I never asked her to the prom, so I never went to the prom. But. From that point on, senior year on, I knew I wanted to be a personal trainer. When I when I left high school, I wanted to help more people achieve what I did, which was the confidence and self esteem and and the health. And I never looked back. It wasn't an easy start. Yep. It was definitely challenging, and I had multiple side jobs just to make ends meet. But I knew that hell or high water, I was going to become a very successful personal trainer. And and today, I, I look at all you know seven hundred plus locations that we have worldwide. That's crazy. I, like that's, that's how I'm training people worldwide now.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's amazing. So just regarding fitness, was it was it something where like you, you said coming from a communist country, did you ever play sports to like keep yourself in shape? Or was it like, as soon as it hits in your year, it was like gym only? Like what was your sort of like regimen during the? <laughs>
2: Bro, even now, it's embarrassing. My, 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 you know, cause I'm, I'm 44 years old, right? So okay. I'm literally probably old enough to be your father. <laughs> uh, my, my, my son is 13, my daughter's, my daughter's 11. They're, they both play sports. I'm on the sidelines. I'm watching them play soccer or football, but I have no idea who's doing what. I just know yeah. them, what, a, what a goal looks like or what a touchdown looks like, yeah. and I root for them. But I, I played no sports. I was inactive. Okay. Uh, I was just that kid watching. I'd come home from school, watch TV, eat a bowl of cereal and then peanut butter and then and then you know bologna sandwiches so everything I was doing was the opposite of what a young man should have been doing Okay. <laughs> and so literally the senior year of, or the summer before senior year of high school is when I when I was bit by the fitness bug and okay. only because I wanted to ask a girl out to the prom.
1: That's amazing. That's that's so cool. <laughs> like
2: today fitness is a big deal in my life right? Totally. Like I don't work out it mentally screws me up. But yeah. back then that was the last thing I wanted to do was get in the gym and get uncomfortable.
1: Totally, no, that, that, that's super cool. So nowadays, like, what's your workout routine? Because I think it's, it's like coming from someone that you said eating a bowl of cereal every day, right? That you got the fitness bug. Like, kind of throughout the journey to today, for some like applicable advice to people listening, like, how does someone like yourself that's so busy running a company, seven hundred locations, so much to do, you're the visionary for the company? Where do you fit fitness into your schedule on a daily basis?
2: I fit fitness just like, just like my business, just like my family. I fit business, fitness into my priority list. And if something matters to you, you'll make time for it. If it doesn't matter to you, you'll make excuses, right? And so fitness is really important to me. I kind of treat my body like a fighter jet. I always say there's two types of humans on the planet. Crop dusters who abuse their body, abuse their mindset, just barely make it by paying their bills. And then fighter jets who keep their mind strong, their relationship strong, their body strong, and make a shit ton of money and do a lot of good with that money. And so I look at myself as a fighter jet. Because of that, I, go, I make time. I schedule my workouts. Every morning between 9 and 11 o'clock, you'll find me in the gym working out, doing mobility, flexibility, and then strength training, cardio. And then I come here to the office, which is why it's 12 noon now and, and yep. we're doing this thing now and not in the morning because the morning is my time to take care of my health so that I can serve you and your audience and all my franchises worldwide. Um, so that's when I work out, man. It's, and I that's do it a, seven days cool. a week. Um, and the reason I do it seven days a week, and that's the advice I want to give your audience, is if you plan on working out seven days a week, then you'll get in about six days a week, which means your body only needs one day of rest, quite okay. honestly. No one's working out like a freaking super athlete where they need to recover so much. And so make it a priority. And and I'm convinced that my business and my money grows faster because I'm fit, athletic, and I can I can withstand more torture. More adversity than the average person.
1: Got it, got it. That's super cool. It's funny because I feel like people that I meet that are just like ripped, that's, that's where I want to get to, right? That's always the end goal of someone that's hitting the gym, working out, is to really stay on that schedule and be consistent with it. But do you think that correlation, like you just said, like do you strongly believe that correlation in the gym will help you in business based on your journey? Or how does that look?
2: 100%. Here's why. Uh, you, you work out, obviously. Yeah. You know this. You're in the gym, you're pumping weights. It's like, oh man, I still have four more repetitions to go. Your mind says, put it down. It burns, it hurts. You don't know if you're going to be able to do it. But your body, you know that if you just go through those four more repetitions and you go through that adversity, your muscles will be bigger and stronger and more resilient. And next time you'll be able to lift more muscles. You'll be able to run faster on the treadmill. You'll be able to jump higher on the plyo box. Each time you do that, two things happen. One, you're teaching your mind that when I want to quit, I don't, and I, and I go for the outcome. Well, the same thing applies in business. When in business things get tough, the suck factor kicks in. Your mind says quit, but your body's going to go, no, go through it, because when you went through it in the gym, you got the happy outcome. Go through it in business, you'll get the happy outcome. Got it. So just like we can build our muscles in the gym, we can build our entrepreneurial muscles at work. constantly going through the suck factor and then coming out on the other end more resilient more rich and of course more resourceful
1: that's that's amazing and i want to touch on something because i think this is something that where a lot of maybe young people or even myself is what like when i look at you as a person right 700 gyms there's there's so much going on within the back end of your company that people don't see right and one thing i want to touch on is just like scaling a company and really just hiring the right people you said how many people are on your team now just so we can reference that
2: Just over fifty.
1: So, so, so you have over fifty people, and I think that even for myself, that we're struggling, that I'm struggling with here. It's like when it comes to building out a team and scaling a company to the sense of bringing more people on board. How was that? I would say growth curve for you, and how did you? I would say jump over the hurdles that came along the way.
2: So the growth curve, like anybody else, was painful because you know when you're running a a company that's doing a million or five million or ten million. All you know is what you know at that time. And all you have is your three or eight or nine or ten employees. And all of a sudden you go, holy cow. The first time we hit the – so we've hit the Inc. 5,000 list four times now. This year is the fourth time. The Entrepreneur 500 fastest-growing franchise is twice. This year is the second time. So every time we hit a damn list, which is a good thing, we end up more people buy our franchise because they go, hey, look, this is a thriving franchise. We're getting so many accolades from Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. And so I know that once the big announcement happens again from Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine in the next two months, we're going to get we're going to onboard more franchisees. (laughs) We'll probably onboard 30 or 40 a month for a while. And so when that happens, I got to beef up my team. Our revenue is going to go up. So what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to probably hire 10 more people in the next 60 days. I know all 10 of those are not going to be unicorns. I know that I'm going to get some donkeys and I know that I have to probably fire some of them. And that's not going to feel better. They're going to cause a mess. And some people might cause... Might go and complain to the state of California about whatever that we wrongfully fired them or whatever. But my point is, I'll deal with all that kind of adversity because I know the outcome is going to be greatness. And so the learning curve has always been a challenge. And so now what I do is I surround myself with mentors. There's a there's a dude. Um, so I have a speaking mentor because I okay. speak from the stage a lot. I've got a speaking mentor. Um, I've got a um, his name is Cameron Harold. He used to okay. be the CEO of 1-800 got junk, those trucks that come and take all that junk away from your backyard, right? He grew that thing to a $200 million company. Now, Fit Body Boot Camp is going to be a $200 million company very soon. So I've already hired a coach, Cam Harold, who's been where I want to be so that he can tell me what's coming up for me in the growth trajectory that we have, right? And so between taking those risks and just hiring the people, knowing that not everyone's going to work out. But rolling with the punches anyway, and then hiring a mentor who's already been where I am, and he can guide me along as I go. That's pretty much how we get through the growth phases.
1: Okay, okay. And one thing I want to touch on because I think um, just mentorship, self education. I really, when, when I was fifteen, had a neck injury, was in a neck brace. That's when like I pivoted to actually like I picked up a book, I actually started reading. And I see that you have books in um in your office right there. And I, I want to touch on something that um, really is just something that. Comes from the personal heart of myself, and that is when was the pivot point to actually like pursue self education? Because you always hear the quote, "It was like self education will make you a fortune, uh, modern education will make you a living." Right? So that sort of quote mentality, just you bringing up mentorship and paying and seeking counsel, I think a lot of young people hear it, but they don't know how to apply it. And based yeah. off of what, even from the video that we have right now, the books in the background. When was that transition in your life that actually like allowed you to grip onto self education?
2: Casey, I'm telling you, man, you are wise beyond your years with that question. I'm glad you asked that because you're doing Thank your you. tribe a massive favor. And so for me, I wasn't that smart. So when I was a personal trainer in my mid-20s, uh, at this point, I was I was around 24, 25 years old. So certainly older than you are now, okay. correct? Yeah, 18. <laughs> uh, per- yeah, you're 18 now. And so I was a personal trainer in a big box gym working you know, for the man. And because I didn't have enough personal training clients, I also worked as a fry cook at Disneyland. And okay. I also worked at a, as a bouncer at a gay bar because the gay bar paid more than the straight bar. Okay. And uh, now I didn't want to have those two other side jobs. No one has the ambition of being a fry cook or a bouncer. You have the ambition of being a personal trainer, a cop, yeah. a doctor, a nurse, an accountant. So one day I was complaining to one of my personal training clients. And that's something you should never do. You should never complain. But I'm complaining personal training clients because he asked me, his name is Jim Franco. He said, Bedros, why do you look so tired? It was a Monday morning. I go, Jim, I was working all weekend at Disneyland, at the bar. I hardly got any sleep. I hardly did any self care and workouts. Like, I'm exhausted, man, and I'm complaining to him. He goes, Well, the problem is you don't know how to sell. And I actually got into an argument with him, Casey. I said, (laughs) Jim, actually, I do know how to sell because if I didn't know how to sell, how would I have got you as a personal training client? He goes, No, no, you didn't sell me because you just took my order. You're an order taker. And I said, what do you mean I'm an order taker? He goes, I knew I wanted to work with a personal trainer. I knew I wanted to work out three days a week. And I came up to you and I said, hey, I want to do these things. And you just signed me up and took my money. He goes, but when I see you let people walk because you refuse to sell them and close them, you just let them walk when you listen to their objections and and actually believe it and let them walk. He goes, my heart hurts for you. I go, well, Jim, then what do I do? And I was kind of being condescending when I asked that. He goes, tomorrow I'm going to bring you something and you're going to read it. And uh, he brought me a Tom Hopkins sales book. Okay. And Tom Hopkins did real estate sales back in like the 80s. He taught people how to sell real estate. But Tom Hopkins sales book led to a Brian Tracy cassette tape that he brought me on sales. Then that led to a Dan Kennedy and Jay Abraham and Tony Robbins. And before you know it, I'm like digesting all the sales, marketing, persuasion, influence, self-help stuff only because my personal training client – was kind enough to force this on me when I asked him in a condescending manner. Okay, so it wasn't twenty five, twenty six that I started to voluntarily consume yep. books, cassette tape, CDs on this kind of self growth and education. I regret not doing that a decade sooner.
1: Okay, so so it was that personal training client that really like pivoted your focus and attached you onto (laughs) that that's amazing same thing for me that's like when I found out like when I was in my neck brace Ty Lopez it was like the pivot point for me to pick up a book by Gary V and start building my brand and that's something I want to touch on now because obviously that's how we connected is social media and and that's really what got me into this whole space is picking up a book understanding what's happening on social media and um, it's really led to just such an abundance of a networking opportunity and just so many opportunities in my life but I want to ask you as someone that's built a, a massive organization over 700 franchises, this huge, like, from people looking in, it's just phenomenal, and it is. But when was the, I would say transition you made to build a personal brand? Because I think a lot of people, CEOs, some people are the face of the brand. Some people are struggling with building a brand and you're putting out so much content, speaking on stages. You've built a massive brand over the last year when I started following you and it's just phenomenal the content you're putting out. So when was that transition as someone that was already building a company to even care and focus on social media? Like when was that transition and why did you do it?
2: Good question. So, um, so again, I started Fit Body Bootcamp 2009, 2010 was when I really started ramping up. In 2012 is when I turned it into an official franchise. Before okay. that, it was a licensing program, kind of like CrossFit, where there are affiliates, okay. right? Yep. So, really, when you think about it, I got serious about Fit Body Bootcamp in 2012. Okay. And even then, 2012, 13, 14, part of 2015, um, Early 2015, I was just still focused on growing Fit by the Bootcamp. Then I realized as people were reaching out to me because they're hearing about Fit Body Bootcamp and the growth and people are doing the search, who's, who's the guy behind it. Yeah. And I had a blog at that point, but I never really was active on social media by way of, I would buy social media traffic to grow my business. Yeah. But I wasn't out there putting content out. But I realized I really enjoy the idea of when people would reach out to me, I enjoyed the idea of helping them, coaching them. And I do have you know, several, actually a few dozen, a few hundred actually coaching clients. Uh, I have a few dozen private coaching clients, but I've got mastermind programs that I run and I got a few hundred people in them. So I realized, man, I really like this, but there's so many people out there who can't afford to get coaching and consulting from me. Maybe I ought to use the social media platforms as a way of giving back, Mm -hmm. right? Like basically being the Jim Franco, like what Jim Franco, my personal training client, did for me at the gym, because there was no social media back then in 1990-something, I'm gonna do here. And so I decided to hell with it. I, early 2015, I, I launched my Instagram account, and, and in three short years, built almost 100,000 person following. Yep. And uh, because I've got a you know, four person video team, because they go out to our franchises and, and videotape them, and that's the case studies that we use to run ad campaigns, yep. um, you know, I always have one of my video guys traveling with me everywhere I go, and I just started to make it a personal brand. And here's what I realized. Not only am I being able to pay it forward and mentor, because giving back is really important. Me. I believe yep. the more you give, the more you get. So giving back is important to me. And the more I give, the more connections I've made. Great people like you and Ed Milet and Andy Priscilla yeah. and, and, you. and you name it, Steve Weatherford, right? So I've met such great people through social media, number one. Number two, as it turns out, I'm also building my franchise through social media because so many people yeah. are like, hey, you know what? If I'm going to open up a business, I want to open up a business who's with a guy who's got these values and this mission and i'm very open about my values and my mission i'm a very intense guy and i talk about that and people who are intense and want to open up a gym of some sort they get on board with the body boot campus instead some, of some other brand and so to me paying it forward is important i started in 2015 with the social media thing because i wanted to build my personal brand because uh, i figured one i could help and two i can get coaching yeah. clients and sell franchises and that's kind of what we've been doing
1: that's amazing one thing that stuck out to me was you said um in 2012, that's when you said you took it seriously, when you actually made it the franchise model. And I think that, that that's, there's some depth right there that I want you to touch on. And like, what does it take to, like you said, prior to that, it was more of a leasing agreement, or you said something like that? Licensing. Yeah, yeah. licensing agreement. What, like, what was, I would say, the jump to do a franchise, and what does that mean from a business perspective for the people that may not know?
2: Oh, good question, dude. So here's how I look at it. A, a licensing program is real simple. I can say, hey, Casey, you can run the Fit Body Bootcamp flag. Um, and call your business a Fit Body Camp. You can use some of our systems and just pay me, whatever, $300, 500 yeah. a month. But a okay. franchise, now I can give you protected territory. I can say, hey, I'm not gonna open up another franchise Fit Body Camp location within five miles, eight miles, three miles, depending on the population density, okay. and I can ask you to use, hey, use this front desk system, this software, here's a pricing model, so we can drill down specificity, and I realize the more specific things I can have my licensees do, the more I can predict their outcome. And so for me to give a protected territory, for me to tell them what kind of pricing, from what kind of software to use, what kind of systems, I had to turn it into a franchise. And I also knew that if I turn it into a franchise, now the government is involved. The yeah. Federal Trade Commission oversees all franchises. Okay, And so if there's 11 audits a year. 11 times, so when people are like, man, I don't want to get audited, I get audited 11 times a year voluntarily. Okay. All franchises do, Subway does, 7-Eleven does, Jiffy Lube does. And so you're kind of stepping into the big boy field there. And if you have a very high failure rate, the Federal Trade Commission will stop you from selling franchises until your failure rate has dropped. So we've got like a 2.5% failure rate in our franchise. Just to give you an idea, the threshold the Federal Trade Commission has for before they stop you from selling franchise locations is about 20 25%. So this is like the big leagues, but if you want to really build an empire – You have to go in the big leagues. You can't play small. And licensing is a small play.
1: That's super cool. that's interesting to me. And like from a personal perspective, like when you made that jump, like you said, like into the big leagues, like how did your mindset change of like going, like like you said, you literally called it like you have to make that jump into the big leagues. Like how did you as a person change at that point in 2012?
2: Oh, dude, this is, you're asking such great questions. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So honestly, nothing changed in me okay. and that was the problem and that's why even though I franchised in 2012, in 2013 and 14, those were the worst years of my life. I had a massive anxiety attack in 2013. I had franchisees leaving faster than they were coming on board because I promised a unicorn but I was selling a donkey. I had no personal discipline so I thought I could just still sleep in that every every morning and not have to wake up early and work off a list that I had made the night before and basically everything crumbled on me. Uh, to the point where the state of California said, hey, look, um, you can't sell any more franchises until you fix these problems. Got and it. so I had to suffer because it's almost like someone who goes, hey, even though I'm really good at, at high school football, I'm going to go into the NFL but still maintain my bad habits as a high school student. Now, you yeah. might be a talented person as a high school athlete, but on that NFL football <laughs> team uh, field, you're going to get crushed yeah. if you go in there with bad habits, bad work ethic, et cetera, bad discipline. And so it was out of that that I decided to, I gotta do something about that. I had massive anxiety attacks and stuff. Um, We were $600,000 in debt in 2013. So really it wasn't an uphill swing until right around late 2014, when I started to what I call man up and started building discipline. I got clear on my vision for Fit Body Bootcamp. I became a better communicator. I became more decisive and made faster and better decisions. And uh, some things in my life became non-negotiable, like I'll never go to the dry cleaner or the grocery store. I'll never stay awake past 1030 at night. And when I started to dial in my life, then my business took off, which is no surprise that we hit the Inc. 5000 list in 2015, 16, 17, 18. Literally, when I manned up and fixed my leadership problems, my business took off. And that's actually was on the heels of that that I wrote this book, Man Up, and I outlined – all six pillars of my success in there.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. And I'll make sure that we put the link down below for everyone that's listening so they can pick up a copy of that. But one thing that stuck out to me just from there, you said you made a discipline list of not staying up till past 10.30, never going to the grocery store. So is that still, like, you never go to the grocery store? That just, that stuck out to me. How does that work?
2: Yeah, I don't go to the grocery store. Uh, okay. You know, my wife doesn't either because she, she's a C, she, CFO of my company. chief financial officer. We have a full-time house uh, manager. Her name okay. is Marlon. Marlon goes to the grocery store. Uh, I don't change the light bulb if there's a burnt out light bulb. Marlon changes the light bulb. Love it. And um, if if something hardcore needs to be worked on in the house, just because I'm handy, I don't go working on the plumbing or the garbage disposal. Marlon will call in someone. Marlon makes sure that our life is maintained so that I could be the fighter jet. You You don't see the fighter jet pilot picking up a pistol and going door to door clearing houses like yeah. he's up there in the in spider jet dropping bombs and doing the big destruction the I, big moves i love it i look myself that way and that's what okay. i do and so if i'm at the dry cleaners if i'm getting my car washed if i'm at the grocery store then i'm making small moves and small moves produce small outcomes
1: that's amazing that, that's literally so it's just like at the end of the day like delegating the things that you know are not going to help the big picture at the end of the day yep. love it so Man up the book. The, when you when did you start writing the book? Because I think it's super cool. Like whenever I'm reading books, I'm I'm reading a book called Traction right now, and um, it's I always like to figure out like, all right, what was someone's purpose and intent for writing the book, and for you talking about that, I'd love to hear that from your perspective.
2: Yeah. So in 2015, once we got our first nod by Ink Magazine and our business started to really take off and scale, I was like, holy crap! I can't believe I made through those two and a half years of the terrible, most worst time of my life, <laughs> and. People around me kept saying, dude, you got to write a book about how you took a company that was pretty much on the brink of, of, of failure and turned it back around and turned it into an Inc. 5000 company. And so enough people keep telling you that. Then you go, you know what? Maybe I had to do that. So I started really writing the book then as far as the ideas of what the book would instill. Okay. Uh, reached out to a publisher in 2016. Uh, got a publishing deal then. And then, of course, we launched it uh, September 18, 2018. Okay. So, Yep. You know, couple months ago, and it's just been a smash hit.
1: That's amazing, that's amazing. So one thing I I wanna touch on, just like everything that has been going on in your life, I know that you said you have two kids, correct? Yeah. So um, just building your business, scaling franchises all over the world, how how did having kids change that in your life?
2: Well, actually having kids made me even more disciplined because as you you may know, I mean you were a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. You have a mom, you have a dad, you probably want them to be around. Uh, as much as possible, if, if if you like them at least. Yep. And so for me, I realized my kids are either gonna end up going to therapy when they're older, cause dad's poorly disciplined, which means I have to do a lot more work to keep the wheels on the bus, or I've gotta get even more structured, more disciplined. And so I did. And so believe it or not, the more disciplined you get, the more time you have in your life. Got like it. people go, what does your morning routine look like? And I always tell them my morning routine starts the night before. When I take my iPhone here and I write down the three to five things I'm gonna do that's gonna move my business forward. Got it. I do the brain dump the night before. Um, that way in the morning when I wake up, I've got a very structured morning routine and that morning routine is always leading to a predictable outcome for me. And then that means, so I literally work in surf time. When I'm gonna go surf with my son, we've got that scheduled on the calendar. It's not a, hey, okay. the waves are good today, do you wanna go? Yeah, yeah. If the big, we try not to drown. If there's no waves, then we're just paddling around in the water having a good time because we schedule everything in our life and that's how it works for me. That's
1: amazing. That's something that I think um, everyone needs to get to. Even me personally, I think I have a, even this from being in this social media world, personally, I'll get distracted sometimes. And I think it all goes back to discipline and what you're talking about and just organizing your life. Right. And when, when would you say you were, you got to the point when you were like, you could actually remove yourself and understand that things are scheduled. Was it having that person that would manage things for you in the back end, someone that would book your meetings? Like what was that one thing you would say that like really helped you like take a deep breath, gain clarity on your day-to-day schedule so that you're not stressing about the little things and how did you, I would say, get to that point?
2: Good question. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you what it was. There was one incident that happened that gave me absolute clarity and the incident took place right around 2013. In the middle of all that chaos, in the middle of all that chaos of anxiety attacks and losing money, yep. Um, I, I God, this is embarrassing. My, the sprinkler in our backyard sprung a leak. Right. Of okay. course, my, my wife's like, "Hey, can you can you fix the sprinkler?" And, um, and I was like, yeah, sure, I can fix the sprinkler. I'm a pretty handy guy. So I'm like <laughs> digging a hole, trying to get yep. the sprinkler. And in the meantime, my assistant comes down. It, it, it was in our guest house where I'll sometimes work out of my guest house before. You know, we also have a corporate office, but okay. sometimes I'll be in the guest house. And my assistant comes down and goes, hey, there's someone on the phone who wants to get coaching from you, and you're the best closer we have, so you, you need to get on the phone. I'm like, hey, Amanda, I've got mud all over my hands. There's no way I can talk <laughs> to this person. Okay. You've heard me give the pitch 100 times. Just close them and go do it. You got this, Right. So, of course, she does it after I'm done working on the sprinkler and fixing it. I go upstairs. I go, hey, how'd it go? She goes, yeah, I wasn't able to close the deal. So I ended up doing a $25 plumbing job instead of closing a $5,000 coaching program, right? And in that moment, I realized, listen, there's a lot of things I have to do as a human, as a husband, as an entrepreneur, as a father. But of all the things I need to do, if I want to grow my business, about 5% of those things are the things that matter. My job is to delegate, motivate, sell, that's it. Anything outside of that, I pass along. So okay. I focus on my 5% and I delegate the 95% and that was the day that I created my 5% rule and now I have assistants around me to do things, I have house managers, I have a chauffeur, I have, I, I wouldn't even drive long distance. Hugo okay. drives me and if Hugo's not driving me, he's driving my mom and dad because he's on the payroll and he might as well have a job. For yep. But those are the things that matter to me and if I'm not focusing on my 5%, I'm not growing my business.
1: Interesting. I, I love that philosophy and this, that routine. So you said del- it was the three things. Can you repeat those again, the three things that you focus on? Yes.
2: The 5% for me and most entrepreneurs, by the way, is to delegate, delegate. motivate, and sell. And you're going to delegate most of the stuff that don't matter that have to get done, like payroll has to get done. I don't need to write the payroll checks. Yeah. My accountant does, right? Yep. So you, you delegate as many of the things you can that fall in the 95% category. You motivate your clients, your business partners, your customers, your staff, yep. so that they can get their job done, and then you sell. No one can sell. Like, I couldn't I can delegate this podcast to someone else. <laughs> I have yeah. to be here. You're doing it. I'm yeah. selling my message to you, yep. and you're selling this message to your tribe. So delegate, motivate, sell.
1: Got it. So question now, regarding delegation. In 2013, when your business was collapsing, you said, how much delegating were you doing then?
2: <laughs> not, not enough. Okay. Because I, I, I could do it better no one's going to do it as good as me. Or when I would delegate, Casey, somebody would screw it up and I go, see, that's proof that they can't do it good. Okay. And I would take it back on. Truth be told, an effective leader delegates, when someone screws up, they go and correct them and then they teach them how to do it right. Because okay. if the more you put on your plate, the slower you get. I want to be fast and I want to be able to pivot quick.
1: Got it. Got it. So one thing that's important to me that I know is important to you as well is just maintaining good relationships, right? And obviously we, I've met you, I've met a lot of people like you mentioned earlier, Ed Milette, all these guys that I have so much respect for, including yourself. Just regarding relationships and managing relationships from a personal level, um, how does that, like, I would say, go about in your life? What's your, I would say, key to maintaining quality relationships just over the course of time?
2: Uh, for me, it's a, it's simple, man. The people that I value and the people that I want to maintain relationships with, I make an attempt to either see them or reach out to them. Uh, ironically, just yesterday, I was texting with Andy Priscilla, okay. and I was like, "Hey, Andy, haven't seen you post on on Instagram for a while. What gives?" And we got to talking about that, and then he was telling me about the hernia he's going through, and I told him about the pec tear that I have right now that I got a, um, that I thought I had to get attached to surgery, okay. but it turns out I don't. I just found out this morning. So we just started talking, but. Instead of just going, wow, I don't, I haven't heard it from Andy. I wonder how he's doing. I reach out, and then you know, I'm good friends with Lewis House and Ed Milet and Tom Billu and all these guys, but they're all busy. I'm busy, so every six months I organize a dinner, okay. and so in a week and a half, uh, a whole bunch of us are going out to Mastros' first steakhouse here in Southern California. Me, Ed Milet, his wife, my wife, uh, Lewis, and a whole bunch of other dudes and their spouses. But I make create the opportunities for the people that I value. If I'm gonna come and visit Scottsdale, I'm gonna reach out to you and some of my friends out there and go, hey man, I'm coming out to Scottsdale. I'm gonna work out anyway. Do You wanna go catch your workout together. I'm gonna have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Do you wanna have breakfast, lunch, or dinner with with me? so I'm actively participating in building my relationships versus passively waiting for you or any of my friends to reach out to me.
1: Got it. That's, that's some good advice for sure, especially in the travel schedule. I like how you said that. If you're in a certain city, you always make sure you reach out to those people. That's, that's golden. So I have a couple more questions before I let you go. I know that you're you're a busy guy, Vedros, But um, regarding leadership, I know that we, we've touched on this throughout the podcast. You're saying a good leader does X, Y, Z. What do you think creates a good leader, especially in a company that is on the scale of yours of just managing – up to 50, 100 people, like, what do you think, from a characteristic standpoint, creates a leader that someone is actually looked at as someone that's respected and not someone that's being an asshole or whatever that may be, but how do you maintain that and what are the characteristics that build that specific leader?
2: Good question, so I'll go through the a couple of characteristics for you. One, the best leaders are servant leaders. In other words, leaders who practice what they preach. If I tell my staff, hey, I want you guys to show up on time and be prepared and make sure you do this, set up this uh, webinar right, or podcast right, but then I show up late, unprepared, they're gonna go, hey, your actions speak louder than your words, and so they're not gonna do what I want, right, so you gotta be a servant leader. So one, you gotta be disciplined. If anyone's gonna be a great leader, they have to be disciplined and be clear in their vision and their mission. No leader will have a strong following, whether employees or a pastor who has a congregation or a cult leader who Wants everyone to, to, want to shave their heads if you are not clear with what your vision is. Uh, as, as dark and twisted as this may sound, you know, that cult where everybody drank the Kool-Aid and wore the Nikes and then killed themselves, yeah. well, they were very clear. Where they, they knew what the vision was. When that Hale-Bob comet comes flying over the earth, we're all going to drink the poisonous Kool-Aid at the same time. Like, they were very clear on the boss's vision and mission, on what Got the it. vision is, meaning the outcome we want to achieve, and when we want to achieve it. So, in my franchise, all of my team members know, and every. Every webinar or podcast I do like this, I always talk about 2,500 Fit Body Bootcamp locations by the year 2023, and that means 34 locations a month, which means we're behind schedule right now to get there, which means 1.3 locations per day. Every one of my team members know that. That is the vision. The reason that's the vision is because the mission is to impact five million people every single morning through health, fitness, and a positive mindset. That's how clear we are. So if you can be a servant leader, if you can be personally disciplined in your life, Meaning, practice what you preach, yep. and then have clarity of vision, clarity of mission, and then communicate that. That's the fifth and final thing. Communicate your clarity of mission and vision. You will be an effective leader. And leadership, by the way, is one every day. The moment you decide to fall out of discipline, or no longer become let your greed glands secrete, and no longer become a servant leader, or have you know you lose focus of your vision or mission, yep. it, it's over.
1: God, it. that's amazing. And. So you said by the year 2023, 2,500 locations. That's the vision? Yes, sir. Got it. So from a leadership standpoint of someone that's – I'm just curious to know as like, all right, people have – they hear your story. They hear everything up to this point. I'm curious from a forward-looking statement of, all right, you guys, 700 now, 2,500 is the goal by 2023. From an individual and a leader of yourself, what goes into that scaling? Is it more team members and how does that, I would say – play out so regarding just like the scalability of a team. Cause I think at the end of the day, everything that's happening internally with the company, it's like, all right, how many more people do I have to add? So as someone that's scaling and maybe the people want to know, maybe they're scaling their company, maybe they just want to know from the outside in, like what does it take to get from that 700 to 2,500
2: level? Great question. And we totally figured that out because we know right now we get 39 applications a day. So if we're okay. getting 39 applications a day and we're closing about 20 locations per month, well we need 34 locations per month. So we figured out very quickly we need to go from 39 to 59 or 60 applications a day so that we can hit 34 locations. Well, to get those many applications means, one, we got to spend more money on Facebook. But number two, in my business, the moment the application comes in, we have the golden hour. If I don't reach out to a prospect within that first hour, someone who's shown interest in a franchise, they're already off looking at another franchise, F45, Orange Theory, CrossFit, whatever. Got it. So that means i got to build my sales team. Well, if I build my sales team, now we can get more EOIs in, expression of interest forms, the applications. Yep. I also have to build my downstairs team. I'm on the second floor right now of our building. Our downstairs team is our operations team, the coaches. So when Casey becomes a brand new franchisee, we take Casey from sales, we hand Casey to a coach, and that coach helps you find your territory in your area. They help you, you know, negotiate your lease, sign the lease, build out your location, hire your team, start getting clients, etc. And so we don't have a team big enough downstairs right now to support the growing sales team and the application. So the weakest link that I have right now in my business is good coaches downstairs who can support all the franchisees we're bringing on board. Because if I have shitty coaches downstairs, then my failure rate goes from 2.5% to 20%, right, as I explained earlier. So right now we're building a massive uh, onboarding team downstairs operations team so that we can, because the easiest part for us in my business is to build the sales team and drive the traffic.
1: Got it. No, I I really appreciate the insights. That's something that I think that itself people will get get a lot of value from for sure. So just for everyone, I know that, um, I always like to talk about just, I have have two more questions for you specifically, just when it comes to Bedros as an individual, your passions, I know that you brought up surfing earlier, right? For me growing up, I played lacrosse, hockey, football, all these different sports. So on on a day-to-day basis or just like taking a step back from business, like what are some things that you're passionate about that you tend to fit in your schedule? Because I know that you said you're, you're very meticulous with your time. So what's just some of your passions? I'm, I'm definitely curious.
2: Yeah, good question. So I love to eat, which is one reason I work so <laughs> hard. I love to go to really high end, expensive restaurants. And so yep. several times a week we're we're eating at high end restaurants. The rest of the time excuse me, we're cooking at home. Uh, so that's a big passion of mine. Uh, but even a bigger passion is working out. Like I just I, I've been gifted with great genetics to lift weights and so I love lifting weights. I do lift twice a day. Uh and it's because of that that I spend wow. three, yeah it's because of that that I spent $3 million and I built myself a private gym. And so you know, BK Strength is my 6,000-square-foot yeah. uh, so private gym, uh, better than any other gym you'll find on the planet. And people go, hey, why don't you get a private jet? Well, it would cost me about $1.8 to get a, a used G4 yeah. private jet. I don't want a private jet. I want to travel less and have more people come to me. Got I want it. a private gym, not a private jet. So I got myself a $3 million <laughs> private gym about it. a mile and a half from here. Um, and of course I love surfing and then going out shooting guns. So we've got a really nice outdoor shooting range here. And a couple of my friends are special forces guys who have taught me and my son how to shoot properly. And so those are the kind of things we do. And we've got a pretty that's big sick. backyard where we, where we set up a, an entire shooting scenario and live on a one acre property. And so we set up a real cool shooting scenario with 23 targets That's and sick. we timed each other. Yeah. Going through with our, with our airsoft rifles and pistols. Um, and that's what we do, man. That's yeah. so, so the real
1: question then is when can I come out? <laughs>
2: Dude, anytime you want, man. Anytime you want, it is so much fun. Okay, it is, and we do the courses at night too. Okay, so it gets a little more challenging.
1: That is sick. No, I'll, we'll definitely have to set that up. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so, so, um, all right. So, one more thing to wrap it up. Just uh, number one, I really appreciate your time for taking the opportunity to come on, and I know that we're definitely going to be connected for a long time. But, um, just for everyone that's younger, maybe they're eighteen, maybe they're twenty-five, they're starting in business. Looking back throughout your journey, what do you think is the most critical aspect of just fun? fundamentally starting your business from an operation standpoint so you're not cluttered you're not all over the place so everyone's clear on their mission like what do you think separates someone that is starting today from another person that's starting today as like a core i would say stepping stone in business because i know there is a lot of young people that are maybe they're just getting started maybe they're hearing this and they're in the fitness space and they may be interested in building a brand or doing whatever that may be just throughout your journey like what would you say like is the one thing that separates someone when they're just getting started
2: I'll tell you this. I don't know if there's one thing, but I know for a fact there's two things. And so I'm going to tell you those two things. And it doesn't matter if it's fitness, supplements, apparel, finance, real estate. These two things are universal and they're a factor, a prescription, not a suggestion. And one, success leads clues. And so go find a mentor just like I have yep. and pay for that mentor to coach you, guide you and help you time collapse your results. That's number one. Number two is singularity of focus. I was a young man before, uh, I still see myself as a young man. <laughs> i now 44, I'm fucking strong as a horse, I'll fuck everybody up. But uh, <laughs> ha- having said all that, uh, I'm a lover, not a fighter. But uh, going back to this point, the way I see it is, I was a young guy and I had so many great ideas. And so I had so many irons in the fire, there was no singularity of focus. And so I was Got here, it. I was there, and ultimately a year would go by and I brought nothing to fruition. When I went to singularity of focus, I was able to really drill down and bring my idea into fruition, turn the business into an empire. And so mentoring and singularity of focus and anybody will dominate in any industry.
1: Amazing. That Those are, I, I like, I love how you said it's a prescription, not a, um, what was, Suggestion. Not a suggestion. That's amazing. And I think a lot of people that may have just heard that, they, they want to know where can they find more of your content. And I'll make sure that we link everything. But where's the best people to actually figure out more about what you're doing and stay connected or even if they, let's say, want to start a franchise, where's the best place for people to reach you?
2: Absolutely. The best place for people to reach me is on uh, at my website, manup.com. Or, of course, on Instagram and Facebook at Pedro Sculian.
1: Amazing. And, I, and I, everyone that's listening, I'll make sure that I put all the links down below. And last but not least, Pedro, I, I definitely I know I said this enough, but I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to hop on the Build Your Empire podcast. And I know that the people listening definitely, um, they listen to this. And I think, I think the biggest takeaways I had is just the fundamental truth of leadership and actually understanding your vision. Cause I think a lot of people, they're not clear on what they're doing from a day to day standpoint. You know, you, you hear all the time. It's like, how do you start your day? And you say you started the day before. Right. And I think that just those little things that people that are listening may have taken out taken out of this podcast. Like definitely. I know there was so much value in here. I just can't appreciate it enough.
2: Thanks, my man. I appreciate you, and I appreciate the opportunity,
1: Casey. Absolutely. So everyone listening, thank you so much for listening to the Build Your Empire podcast. Again, thank you so much, Bedros, for hopping on. And everyone, make sure you go check out Bedros' book. Tune into his Empire podcast a little. It's it's like the Build Your Empire Empire. There's so much brand correlation. (laughs) So uh, make sure you go check his out as well, and I will speak to you guys soon.